Welcome to It Didn't Break Me, a podcast where we have honest and vulnerable conversations around the messy stuff we didn't think we'd come back from, inspiring you to give yourself permission to discover the beauty within the mess and to let go the illusion of perfection. I'm your host, Bianca Keisha Hughes. Hello and welcome to the It Didn't Break Me podcast. I am your host, Bianca Keisha Hughes. Welcome to the podcast. It is a pleasure to have you here. If it is your first time, welcome. And I hope you stay, listen and come back. And if not your first time, welcome back. I'm so glad that you are here again and enjoying the amazing stories from my guests, just sharing those things they thought would break them and they have not broken them. And they're still here living their best lives and just giving themselves permission to connect and be their authentic self. So I'm not going to talk too much. We're going to get into this good conversation. I think it's a very interesting and important conversation to talk about just as humans we are wired to connect wired for relationships and so I think this aspect of relationship or relationship shall I say is really important to address so I'm just going to quickly introduce my guest today my guest is Nusheen, and she is a Pakistani-American woman who started her podcast, The Self-Worth Edit, after reclaiming her own self-worth through her divorce. And she really does have a very interesting story to tell. So I won't say any more. Let's go ahead and get into the conversation. Hello, Nasheen, and welcome to the It Didn't Break Me podcast. Hello, Bianca. Thanks for having me here. It is a pleasure to have a fellow podcaster, yeah. a fellow uh, woman of color. Um, I And I always like to tell people I know Nasheen because we're in um, the WOC podcasters um, group together, and that is how I connected with her and just heard more about her and her story. And I thought that um, it will be great to have you here on the podcast. Thank you. I love being part of that group and making connections like you, likewise. Yes, thank you. So let's go ahead and get into the main question. Um, what is something you thought would break you, but it didn't? Yes, something I thought that would break me was being alone, not even necessarily being alone, but being single. This is something that... I, about a decade ago, thought would completely obliterate me and make my life not even worth living. And it did, did not work out that way. <laughs> <laughs> I find myself still single and very happy and living a life that I could not even have imagined. So that's my answer. That's your answer. So thank you. So take us back. Take us back to like, you know, you didn't even imagine not just being single, but being alone. Like you couldn't imagine, even imagine that because you thought that that would be the worst thing ever. Like, what did you imagine it would be like, you know, because we always have these fears and these um, beliefs. So what was the story you were kind of telling yourself? 
Oh, it's so, it's fascinating looking back, right? Because I feel like I know so much more and I've been on such a journey since that time, including through therapy to understand things that we don't understand in the moment, right? In At that time when I was having that realization, it was after my first breakup of my first serious relationship with my first love. Mm-hmm. And up until that point, I would even kind of not understand why anyone could ever cry so much or be so hurt over a boy. I never thought that would be me or I would be like so heartbroken mm-hmm. until it happened to me. And what I know now that I didn't know then is all of the attachment stuff that comes up for you. Mm-hmm. All It's really not about the boy, right? It's about all of your own stuff that comes up and gets reflected back to you in relationships. And so I struggled a lot. And as a South Asian woman and Pakistani American, there's also a lot of societal pressure that's always been present to have a partner, to not be single, to get married, to be in a relationship and build a family with another person. Mm -hmm. So there's not a lot of narrative that I grew up with around independence. It was really about reliance. And so the story that I was telling myself, I think about the possibility of being single forever is that I would not be safe. I would not be protected. I would not have a fulfilled or meaningful life. It it felt purposeless to me because to me, purpose was finding a partner to go through life with. That is what my understanding had been. Wow, that was powerful. You said a lot. The thing I want to kind of ask you about is about the culture, right? Because I always say it's our environment, what we grow up around. And me being from London, I grew up with a lot of people from Asia, the girls Mm -hmm. in the school. I was telling someone this the other day. I was like, man, them girls, they had the guys come in and their parents couldn't tell. They couldn't tell. And it was just like very interesting and they were from all over like India, Bengali, Pakistan. So I, you know, have some, some insight, not a full insight. So tell us a bit about that. Yeah. It's funny because there's this almost a running joke amongst South Asian women Mm -hmm. where we, a lot of us have had this collective experience that growing up, you're not allowed to talk to boys. You're not allowed to hug boys. You're not allowed to have boys who are friends. You have to make up girl names if you're ever talking to them on the phone to tell your parents who you're talking to. But then as soon as you are in your early 20s, Mm-hmm. A switch is flipped and you start hearing, well, why aren't you married? Well, where's your husband? Well, it's time to get married. And so there's no focus on the actual dating aspect mm-hmm. and actually what does it mean to vet partners through dating and have different relationships and what is a healthy versus a not healthy relationship. It's just don't talk to boys and then now marry one, you know, and so <laughs> It's, it's a bit bizarre. And the, the other piece of that, like now things are shifting a little bit and there's social media. I think that's doing wonders for us to be able to have a lot of these conversations and realize the commonality of experiences even more so, mm-hmm. but a big other piece of this culture and this society. And I'm also learning, it's definitely not limited to South Asian culture, but I can speak to that from my experience is that you don't talk about the things that you're experiencing. You don't share 
openly about the things that are going on for you personally or within your family. And so it creates alienation there as well. So that's really been a big part of my experience. So that's like a big isolation in, in, mm-hmm. in a sense. It's like this part of you that's kind of like that it's part of you, but it's isolated. It's not like nurtured or truly understood. And then you're expected to understand it at 20, at the, mm-hmm. around 20. You know what it reminds me of? It kind of reminds me of um, how women are, you know, not taught or encouraged, you know, how the, they say, go to the man, go sow your oats, blah, blah, blah. And then they'll be like, well, women, you know, you have to, you know, not be out there. And then when they get married, they're like, okay, so can you just um, be this crazy person in bed? And you're like, but wait a minute, mm-hmm. I didn't get this chance to explore <laughs> what it means to be a sexual being. Um, yeah. In a way, it reminds me of that. Yeah. And, and, even holistically, like what I've realized is there's, there's been so much focus on the other, right? We don't talk about what's going on for ourselves personally, because it's all about what image you're portraying to the broader community. And then Mm -hmm. it's all about partnership and being with someone else and building a life with someone else. And, you Mm -hmm. know, it's not until recent years, really in my thirties that I was even able to hold a mirror up to myself and, even think that was worth doing to Mm. get to know myself and to focus on a relationship with myself. Wow. So you said when you were 30? Yeah, just about. Wow. Yeah. That's wow. Okay. You thought that being alone, being single would, would break you. So tell us about, you know, I know you got Tell us about that journey of thinking that, then experiencing it, and then realizing, oh, wait a minute, it didn't break me. Yeah. So because of that same fear of what was going to break me and because of what had everything we just discussed with, you know, the expectations around me, I was really mission driven in my search <laughs> for a partner <laughs> not for not in a very you know thoughtful way really like my approach to relationships was so based in scarcity and a lack mindset and a desperation of oh my goodness i'm getting old i remember having this thought very strongly right around 26 mm-hmm. i'm getting super old you know, the people Wait, around hold on. Yes, 26. I know. I know. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Okay. Carry on. <laughs> the people around me, you know, who are close to me and my family were in serious relationships. Like the tables had turned. So I, I was now the one not in a serious relationship, mm. no longer feeling like I was on track. And the people around me were, you know, getting ready to take quote unquote, the right steps. And so there was this feeling of falling behind within my personal circle, but also in the broader cultural societal circle. And so for me at this point, it was just find a person and get married. And Mm. I'm definitely a romantic. I, you know, really would like to find love. I have always wanted to find love. I don't know that I ever truly have now that I've, the more I learn, the more I'm like, I don't know if I've ever actually experienced love or just all my own shit being coming back at me, you know? (laughs) Um, (laughs) But what ended up happening was I did meet someone. So I had been living in Madrid for a year. It was this 
amazing experience. And when I came back home around 25, 26, I was getting the pressure Mm -hmm. to find someone, get married, all of this. And so the first person I found, I, I kind of stuck onto and this person also had a lot of healing left to do. Mm -hmm. I had a lot of healing. I wasn't even, even fully aware of that I needed to do. And six months in, I, all my red flag signals were going up and I knew that this was not going to end in any kind of a good way, but I needed to push through. And so every time something told me, no, I should, this is not right. This isn't good. This isn't healthy. My tolerance threshold was also really high because without getting too into, you know, the way that I had grown up and like culturally the messages I'd been given. So I was like, no, people always say relationships are hard work. God, I hate that sentence so much (laughs) (laughs) because you know what it's, it's every, you have to define that hard work. Mm. You have to define it because coming from where I came from, that definition of hard work, that's not, I don't think what people are talking about. I hope not when they say that, but for me, so I kept pushing through. And so that relationship that I knew six months in was not feeling good Mm -hmm. is one that I pushed through. We did get married. And I remember feeling a sense of pride that I was married by my 30th birthday because I was like, wow, yep. Checked the box, get married before you're too old of a maid. And it was miserable. It was miserable. It was unhealthy and it ended in divorce Mm. shortly after. So I want to highlight a couple of things because I, I hear this on my couch. First of all, 26, considering that's old. And I think that's also sometimes generally pushes a lot more on, on women than, than onto men. Mm -hmm. And so then your level of tolerance, like you knew, like often I say to people, like when they break up, I'll be like, how, when did you see the red flag? And they'll be like, I didn't see any. I said, come on, seriously, tell me. And they will always tell me for the most part, like three months, four months at the max six months. It's never, sometimes it's even one month in, but yet, even though we see the red flags, like, and I, and I think this is part of, like you saying, our, our attachment and our brains, it's just interesting how much more the culture, um, the messages are stronger in those situations than our own intuition. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yes. To the point where, so my intuition was so suppressed for so many years mm-hmm. that I remember not being able to tell the difference, actually wondering and trying to figure out if my intuition was speaking to me or my anxiety and my fear was. Mm. And the latter felt more in line with, you know, it was easier to rationalize than this Mm -hmm. intuition that I've never, you know, been able to really trust. And so it was like, no, but yeah, people probably feel this way when making big life decisions, you know, this makes sense. And, and so there it's such a distortion, Mm-hmm. such a distortion yeah yeah and then also the the checkbox like um you know I was speaking to this woman recently it was last year at the she podcast and she was like 
marriage is not an achievement. And yet it is, I, I feel like sometimes it is like that. And that's I mean, people... everything that's formulated around it in our culture, mm-hmm. in our broader society says <laughs> otherwise, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's like, a, it's not like a goal. It's not, it's like a, someone I read said, you know, it's a lateral move. It's not, it doesn't make you more than, it doesn't make you less than. It's literally a lateral move. Wow. Um, yeah. Mm-hmm. So tell us, so you get married. How how soon after did you get divorced after you were married? It didn't take long because at that point, you know, I had already pushed so far. I had pushed, I mean, we got married. So I pushed yeah. it off as far as, as far as humanly possible. So we got married at the end of... 2018, like the fall of 2018, I was, we were separated by May of 2019 and the papers were finalized by the end of that following year, by 20, end of 2019, right before the pandemic. Um, slowly I had started podcasts were either they were becoming a big thing in general, but they were definitely becoming a big, big thing in my life. Mm -hmm. And so I somehow started stumbling on a lot of podcasts around the topic of self, Mm. which in and of itself as a whole category was new to me to focus Mm -hmm. so much on the self and then around self-love and self-worthiness. And like, these are not common messages given to South Asian women growing up. Mm -hmm. It's rarely about the self, right? And so I started to become inspired by a way of living that's in alignment and your highest good and what's your purpose and all of these kind of buzzwordy mm-hmm. things that I think have kind of gone through the ringer the past couple of years, right? And, you know, all of these mm-hmm. meanings have been attached to them, but at their core and the way that I understood them, I was like, wow, there's so much, you know, potential in this life. And mm-hmm. Then they would give you tips on like how to see, you know, where in your life you are living this way and how to live this way and why to live this way. And it's happier. And I kept trying to live that way every, in every part of my life and just say, okay, it's okay if it can't apply to my relationship, but I'll just try to do it everywhere else. Mm -hmm. And then slowly I had the realization of, oh, it doesn't work that way. (laughs) It's kind of a big (laughs) part of my life and identity. And the decision, the choice I'm making on a day-to-day basis to stay in this unhealthy relationship, it was an emotionally and verbally abusive relationship, is directly countering Mm. my aspirations for increased self-worth. Like they do not match. (laughs) They don't compute. (laughs) So if I want to increase my self-worth and go in that direction, there are things that have to fall away as I embrace that, because there were things in my life that were reflecting my low self-worth, right? Man, yeah, that's so hard. I get that. Um, I actually get pushed back on that, especially when it comes mm. to parents. And uh, I often show to clients like, oh, but I go speak to my mom or my dad and they keep saying this, but then, and then they come back and I said, I told, I said, but why do you tell your parent that <laughs> keeps not is not encouraging Mm. is why do you keep telling them it's like you're expecting something different and it sounds like it was familiar it's like okay it doesn't apply maybe it will change or maybe it will help because the cultural beliefs of i've got to stay in this marriage or i've got to respect my parents that's that's what it 
Oh gosh, that could be a whole other conversation. <laughs> this is a conversation <laughs> I've been recently having with some friends of mine. And mm-hmm. so, well, it does, I'll, I'll tie it in kind of as nicely as I can here, right? <laughs> because it does factor into the things that have to fall away when you make a decision in your life that takes you in a certain direction. You're saying yes to one thing, you're saying no to other things, right? And so mm-hmm. expectations fall away, have to be readjusted. And a lot of times we have expectations of other people that they continue to not fulfill. And then we continue to be hurt until you realize in that pattern, now that you've seen it happen again and again, at a certain point, you're breaking your own heart, right? They Mm -hmm. say you're breaking your own heart at this point. And so how do you adjust your expectations and recognize what's within your locus of control and what's not the reaction of other people is not and expecting it to change is really about them. And so this is, this is all now like a side effect of like the broader journey that I've been able to go on (laughs) that I continue to go on. But essentially this is what was going on to come back to the story of like, okay, I eventually realized this cannot, Mm -hmm. this cannot continue on. And I reached, you know, I was having these realizations at the same time, it wasn't like I went and said, okay, I listened to this podcast. Now it's time to get a divorce. I was still pushed into it because I was still trying to make things work. Mm-hmm. Um, and then there was, you know, the final big moment there, there was the final moment of truth, the final like decision point that when I came to it, I had come to it with a different perspective based on everything that I had been listening to and hearing and, um, That's where, that's really where I learned that there are worse things than being single, right? Mm. That fear, that it was actually healthier and happier for me to be single Mm -hmm. than in this unhealthy relationship. Mm. That is how that belief got finally challenged about a decade after it was first unearthed. Yeah, that's a powerful statement and such a truth too. Like there's worse things than being single. There are. Yes. So tell us about that, you know, like you said, how did that statement, how did that statement come to be? So you've got divorced, you're in this place where you thought if I was here, it would break me, but it didn't. How come? Why is that? Do you think? I had to actively work toward it, right? Mm-hmm. It wasn't like I got, even though it was out of an unhealthy situation, it wasn't like I got divorced and all of a sudden the world was beautiful and there were rainbows and there was, you know, there were days <laughs> like that. And there were mm-hmm. days when it was really difficult and it was the first opportunity I had. So it began, I'm going to give you like the tactical because it was tactical. It's the day-to-day mm-hmm. stuff, right? That contributes yeah. to these bigger perspective shifts. So one was, moving into my own apartment and Mm -hmm. I had never really fully lived alone at this point. I had always had roommates. Even when I briefly lived alone in the city, I met this guy shortly into it. So we were, you know, always hanging out. So this was my first time living completely alone. And I was afraid of that. I was afraid of that for multiple reasons. And I was a little bit excited and I was trying to push myself toward that direction. So it was having my own space and just the experience 
of being alone and being able to rewrite that in a few different ways. So one was really intentionally decorating my space. Before that, I had never really thought to decorate my space or get really nice furniture because I would always say, it's just me. Mm. Mm, low self-worth, right? The ways that it shows up, right? It's like, it's just, it's just for me. Like, why do I need anything nice? And I was like, nope, I'm going to get to even use this as an opportunity to understand what are my tastes? Mm -hmm. What do I like? What aesthetics do I like? What colors do I want to surround myself with? What fabrics, all of this. So making that be an experience. Shortly after the divorce was finalized and I moved into my own place is when the world went into lockdown. I was just starting to think, okay, I am going to start creating community around myself and I'm Mm -hmm. going to be social and all of these things. And then the universe was like, no, you're not. You're going to sit here. (laughs) You're going to get to know yourself. You're going to be isolated. And I just was so grateful that, you know, truly it was the contrast being in lockdown. I just remember feeling so grateful that I was by myself in my own energy. I was hearing about all of these relationships that were struggling Mm -hmm. because they were constantly in isolation around each other. Right. And I was like, wow, it's amazing. Isn't it wonderful to be alone and in my own space right now? And the contrast of imagine if I had been locked down with my ex, that would have (laughs) been so terrible. So all these things helped solidify, okay, being alone, being single actually is not so bad and Mm -hmm. I'm doing all right. And I'm getting to know myself. I was intentionally actively, one, I was in therapy Mm-hmm. And two, I was, you know, learning to define my core values. I was journaling a lot. I was just getting to know myself. And that helped me a lot to get comfortable being alone. Wow. What are some of those things that you discovered about yourself? Okay. So I did a core values exercise. Well, I, I love have, core values. I love. I core had values. not done one for the longest time, like probably in school at some point they talked to us about it. So I decided to take myself through this. I actually ended up doing a podcast episode on this too, and put together like a workbook because I took things from a few different places and made mm-hmm. my own activity. And what I realized that surprised me was that my top top, top core value is freedom. Mm -hmm. And I had other things on there. You know, my relationship with myself also ranked super high compared to like being a lifelong learner. All of these things are super important to me. Like they're my core values. Right. Mm -hmm. But when I prioritized them and I forced myself to rank order them and I saw freedom come out on top, I was like, huh, are are we sure about that? Yeah. Okay. (laughs) And so that was one of the big things. And now whenever I say it to a friend or someone who knows me well, they're like, well, yeah, of course, duh. I mean, look at how you're choosing to live your life, which is (laughs) I'm living in a very nomadic way. You know, I ended up, that's another thing that I learned. I learned that what freedom means for me in all of Mm. the different definitions. And one of those things is like, I really wanted location independence And I kind of knew that that was something I romanticized, you know, years ago and I love travel, but I didn't, I don't know if I knew to the degree that I would take it with, oh, I'm going to get rid of my apartment and sell all my things and like 
go live and bounce around the world. And so, yeah, those are a couple of things that came up. Wow, that's beautiful. And so now um, you are like your digital mo- nomad mm-hmm. and you are traveling solo. Yeah. <laughs> Isn't it funny? Yes. <laughs> Isn't it funny how life happens? Yeah. Yeah. Tell us a bit about traveling solo. How did that come about? And I'm, I'm a fellow tra- um, solo traveler. Cause yeah. I can't be, I can't be waiting for everyone to live my life. That's, that's the point you have to get to, right? Because my very first solo trip that I ever took, I hated it. And I was like, mm. okay, tried it. Solo travel is mm-hmm. not for me. Mm-hmm. This was when I was still living in Madrid. So before, right before I came back, met this person, got married, all of that. And mm-hmm. so a totally different version of myself. Mm-hmm. And at the time I had just challenged, challenged myself to take one weekend trip solo. And I did, and I was like, this really is not for me. And then I got to the point increasingly, just the way you said, like I, part of freedom, right. Is I don't want to have to wait for anyone. I don't want my plans to depend on other people because this is a priority for me and it's not a priority for other people. And that's okay. But I think sometimes even people don't realize it's not a priority for them. So, you know, there are funny memes about this and stuff where people are like planning trips with their friends and then it comes time to book and they (laughs) don't book. Yeah. And that's a reality, right? Like I've definitely been there. And what you start to realize is that it's, oh, it's not, it's not a priority for them. Mm. Okay. That's okay. But I can't shake off the fact that it is deeply a priority for me. And so either I can sit here and continue to just not act on my dream because I have no one to act on it with me because other people are enacting their own dreams, or Mm -hmm. I can take some responsibility and just go do the thing I want to do. And then the other people, if there are other people who feel similarly, will come out. And I've had friends who have emerged and been like, oh, I want to come stay for a couple months and you know yeah. but I'm not dependent on them I'm not making yeah. plans around or with them so wow the freedom <laughs> it is it sounds like that freedom has been a really big thing because I, mm-hmm. I remember listening to your podcast and you even talked about how you felt like marriage was the gateway for, to enable to enable you to do oh, things yeah <laughs> oh my gosh yeah there's so many ties on us and it's, it's funny now because I feel like only recently in the past couple months has, Mm -hmm. has a friend helped me see that part of the reason that freedom is such a, it, it sounds so common sense as I say it out loud now, but I didn't realize that part of the reason that freedom is probably one of my top core values is because I felt like I had no freedom for most of my life. And now it's all I want. It's all I crave. You know, I felt constantly controlled or constantly dependent on another person. Hence marriage is the gateway where (laughs) marriage quote unquote will finally make me free jokes. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Although it kind of did, right. It's, it's the marriage and then the divorce. And I, that divorce freed me because all of the expectations that were on me, all of the, well, you have to get married. I can't, I can say checkbox done. Mm. Mm-hmm. crossed it off my to-do list, you know, and I don't feel a strong pull to get remarried. I don't feel, you know, what is anyone going to say to me at this point is kind of what I feel. And mm-hmm. that's such a wonderful place to be. 
<laughs> did you get pushback though when you got the divorce especially you know from mm-hmm. the culture and from the community or did you get shunned in any way or anything like that you know I think about this sometimes because the timing of the pandemic mm. was really something okay. because you know I by the time that I was that it was public knowledge and it was being shared the world was already in lockdown and isolated. And so anything that people knew was really through social media and mm-hmm. anything that I, in terms of getting shunned, no, I don't, I don't feel like I was shunned, but I do feel like I shunned myself mm. in ways. So, and I still feel this sometimes, like I have not felt like going back into the community myself in terms of, and when I say that I'm envisioning my very particular, you know, place of worship in Chicago, like the religious community. And I already didn't feel all that connected, you know, right before, but if anything, I've had young women since, so during the lockdown, I started my podcast, started Mm -hmm. talking about things openly And if anything, I've had people come forth and thank me for that podcast, share in the experience, share something they're going through. And so I feel pretty confident that the community, the particular community I belong to is progressive enough that I will not be shunned for it. And yet there are so many things that you start to see that are kind of at the subconscious level that you come to terms within yourself and then you see it in other people. And I just like, don't have the energy to mm. yeah. engage with it. Yeah. Okay. That's yeah. cool. So um, tell us what's something that's messy mm. in your life at this time. And it could be something physical, emotional, or mental. Well, physically, I'm just like, (laughs) you can't see, you can't see the clutter around me. That's always around me. But, um, you know what it is, is that at 33, so I'm 33 now, I am still trying to figure out exactly what I want to be when I grow up. It feels messy, but not in a way that can break me. And I could not have said that 10 years ago either, because I spent a lot of time agonizing over what am I going to be when I grow up? Mm. I have things in place. You know, I'm in grad school. I have a great job that I've been working for six Mm -hmm. years and I have a lot of passions and interests and things that I would like to pursue. And for the first time, when it comes to career, I'm trying to just let things flow because now I have a decade of self-trust to look back on and be like, well, you always figured it out. Yeah. And so the moments where I start to feel a little like overwhelmed or panicked, I'm just like, chill, you're in a fine place right now. And then it's going to work out. But that is, that is a messiness that I didn't expect in my thirties of still mm. trying to figure out again, because of the narrative that we're, we're fed mm-hmm. when we're younger. Yeah. You know, I just, um, commented on a friend's post about that and, um, you know, cause I'm always talking about, I, I'm always, well, you might not know this, but I'm always talking about identity mm-hmm. and that your identity is who you are, not what you do. And I'll be honest, Nasheen, I feel like you've done what you needed to do. And that mm-hmm. is to connect to you and everything else you do comes out of that. And so, you know, saying to people or saying to a child, what are you going to do when you grow up? 
and and someone else shared it's like well what if we said to people what are you going to do with who you are how are you going to use who you are to live this life wow and so it takes that pressure off what am i going to what am i going to do when i but i'm already doing i'm already me and oh i love that mm-hmm. i love mm-hmm. that a lot mm-hmm. yeah yeah, I'm also a big proponent of your identity is not what you do. It's not the mm-hmm. nine to five. And it makes me sad for people who don't see that when they don't mm-hmm. see that, because it's like your life is going on. Hello. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. You're doing a lot. Yeah. 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 So is there anything you want to share with the audience? I think the more we as we've had this conversation, I know, you know, we really focused on the, the one aspect of being single as the thing that I thought was going to break me. And as we've talked, other things have popped up in the back of my mind, like Mm -hmm. this, like the career piece of like, there are several things I thought would break me Mm -hmm. and they didn't. And the thing I would say is this is what, this is what keeps me going now when in the past, I might not have been able to, is that I feel like I've now lived enough life in my three decades to see the pattern that even when things get super low, even when things feel like they're going to break you, if you hold out, things go back up again, right? Like Mm -hmm. I always say life is a series of highs and lows. When you're in a high, enjoy it be prepared, like be resilient. There might be a low. And when you're in a low, know that there's going to be a high. And so that's, that's, I think the biggest, um, that's what keeps me going. Mm -hmm. That's what keeps me going is just that knowledge and awareness of you don't even know all of the ways that life can show up in a beautiful ways for you yet. So hang in there and see what the next high is going to bring. Yeah. I love it. That's so beautiful. Um, thank you. Thank you for being an amazing guest. How can everyone shower you with love? Where can they find you to shower you with love? Yeah, come connect with me. I'm on Instagram at the self-worth edit. And that is also the name of my podcast, the self-worth edit. It's in all the places where podcasts are. If you're listening to this, you likely know how to listen to that one. And yeah, I would love to hear from you. Slide into my DMs. I'm pretty responsive. Okay. Well, thank you so much for being an amazing guest, Nasheen, and sharing your story. Um, It is a very powerful story, and I know for a fact it's going to be helping a lot of people who are battling with that sense of singleness and and worthiness and what that means. So thank you so much. Go ahead. I'm so glad to hear that. Thank you for having me. You're welcome. She had a lot to say, didn't she? Nasheen did such a good job of just sharing her story of working through divorce, cultural expectations, and now living this beautiful life, traveling life, still open to relationships, but really understanding what it means to connect to herself. So a few takeaways from the podcast. Number one. I love what she said. There are worse things than being single. And I think, you know, I've heard that so many 
times or in so many different ways, but to actually have her share a reason or share, shall I say, an experience that had was actually worse than being single, um, being in an unhealthy marriage, I think that's really important to remember. The other thing is that messages that we have received, whether they were messages that were said or things that we saw growing up, images, movies, um, and even our fears can override our own intuition and decision making. Sheen shared that she had some inclinations that maybe this wasn't a good marriage, but because of all the things she learned growing up about marriage and the importance of marriage, that, shall I say, those messages overrode her own intuition and it can happen to the best of us. And lastly, and this is something I I talk about often, um, whether it's in an interview and definitely with my clients is about values. And that is the power of knowing your core values and what they look like in your life. When we know what our values are and we understand what our values are, those things that are most important to us, it makes it so much easier to make decisions in our lives. And when we make decisions that align with our values, we definitely live with a sense of more peace and purpose. So those are my takeaways from the episode. I would love to hear your takeaways as always. Um, you can share them by emailing me, sending me a DM on Instagram on authentically be you, or, um, you can just rate it and leave a review and we can just hear your feedback on there. So thank you so much for listening to the podcast. Thank you for listening to It Didn't Break Me. If you like this episode, please follow the podcast and leave a review wherever you listen to your podcast. Please don't forget to share this with a friend and you can tag me on Instagram with your takeaway from this episode at Authentically Be You. If you want to keep abreast of upcoming episodes, please sign up for the newsletter on the podcast website, It Didn't Break Me. And remember to discover the beauty within the mess.